Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the One Broke Actress Podcast, an honest account of actor life, plus a few lessons I learn in the process. I am your host, Sam Valentine, and today we are having one of the most requested episodes of all time, the tax episode. Today I have on Russ from Brass Taxes. Now, Brass Taxes is an online tax company that is built to help creatives with their taxes. They do regular people taxes too, but you guys know how nuanced this is. You know, you probably have like four 1099s in your stack on your desk, maybe a couple W-2s, maybe a 1099 INT, NEC. What the fuck is all of this shit? How do we prepare? How do we know how much we're going to have to pay in our taxes? And how do we keep ourselves on an artist path while managing our money in the process? Russ is going to take us through all of this nuance. Keep in mind, a lot of the answers to today's questions are, it depends. And we cover that in the beginning of this episode. But I think it's still important to have this conversation about money and why it depends and start to educate yourself in this process because finances are the bane of actors' existence. But as Russ so nicely states it, it can be your ticket to independence as an artist. I think this episode is going to be so helpful for so many of you. Also, Russ gave me a couple of documents that I think are so important for you guys. Free, just we're going to share them with everyone. One is making taxes suck less for artists and freelancers, which I love. And he also shared with me the brass taxes financial tracking sheets. We are going to send these out to everyone on the email list this weekend. So if you are on the email list, make sure that you check your email this weekend. If you are not on the email list, make sure to click that link in the show notes, get on the email list because we're sending out these documents for free to everyone on the email list. If you are listening to this podcast late, email assistant at onebrokeactress.com and Dee will hook you guys up with anything you missed in the process. Also, we have a $50 off code from Brass Taxes for your tax filing this year. I didn't know this was coming. Russ surprised me with it at the end of the episode. So if you use the code onebrokeactress50 to save $50 off of your taxes from Brass Taxes. I was thrilled about this. So excited to support a company that also employs tax people who are in the freelance business as well. This is a dreamy combo. This is not the last time you guys are going to hear from Russ, but I think you're going to like everything he has to say in this episode. So without further ado, please enjoy Russ from Brass Taxes. Any questions for me? No, I don't think so. I'm ready to roll. I guess one area that it I feel like I foresee will get discussed or come up, it gets into the nuance of like when or if to incorporate as an actor. I guess nothing really. I can kind of talk about like what are those touchstones of like when you should be looking out for incorporating. I just feel like there's a lot of broad, broad generalizations for like recommendations and a lot of like, especially with like social media, trying to get like the 30 seconds on taxes, like Atomic 2.0 that was on our podcast and he had just had something come across his TikTok of like some guy explaining why the way I took it was like, you're an idiot if you're not an S Corp, because this is why. And it's just like selling it. And he's like, is that true? And I was like, well, maybe. It depends. Like if you live in New York City, he just left out a lot of stuff. You know, and it's always like people want these like nuggets. Sound bites. Yeah. And they and mm-hmm. a lot of it is pushed through either fear or greed. Like, you're an idiot if you're not doing this. Like, don't be a sucker. This is the way real people set up their finances. And there's just this like thing that kind of like it like plays upon your 
your shame or feeling of not knowing or just kind of wanting to feel like the inside crew. And the reality of it is it often depends on a lot of circumstances or it doesn't make sense until you make over this amount of money in this, depending on where you live. And there's this level of nuance that's like not soundbitey. And so it becomes not great content for like a 20 second, I want to deal with this stuff, but not think about it very much. So just tell me what to do and I'll stop thinking about it as soon as possible. And yeah, I mean, we can get into it more. I, that, that's why I recommend I'm like, you have to work with someone who you feel comfortable talking to and they have to understand your industry. Absolutely. Well, listen, um, everything you just yeah. said, I kind of want to keep in the podcast because that... Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because that is... I, I'm not sure even what my point was. I think it's getting to like... It's nuanced. I've, I mean, I listen, I listen to your stuff. It's like a lot of this stuff, there's a stupid tax joke that the answer is always, it depends. But it has, it has applicability of there's, depending on the nuance of your question, the answer might be, it depends. But I understand that that's an unsatisfying answer. So we try and give education and information when feasible or to tell the kind of parameters of what could help you make this decision without saying like, this is the right way, this is the best way to do it. Because it's like there's so much nuance that it it's like glossing over and it just feels not respectful of the audience's yeah. attention to just oversimplify, even though I get the appeal. Like I want to go to the doctor's office and have it be like Dr. House and be like, I noticed you turn to your left when you close the door when obviously it would have been easier. You have a hip dysplasia and, you know, it's like there's an allure to that. But I'm like, the reality of it is like, that's not really how life works most of the time. Yeah. And I think what you're talking about too is responsibility. And I feel that in anyone who has a platform or shares information with people is that like, we have to have this responsibility of like who we're talking to and what we're talking about and saying that like, I think that's a great jumping off point for this conversation is that like, everything we're going to talk about today is so case by case and so person dependent. And so we're going to hit on some more, you know, overarching themes here, but turn your ears into that off the top. And that's why this is why we pay people to do our taxes. This is why Russ, I want you to I want you to take me through like, why, why did you start this company? And why do you guys work specifically at brass taxes with creatives? Yeah. So I started this company in 2008. When the economy slumped, I was making my money as a web video editor. And this is before web video was really monetized. It was really just a marketing arm. So when the economy slumped, just marketing budgets got cut everywhere. And I was like, oh, I'm going to need to get a day job again. I was in New York as uh, writing and performing, mostly comedy, but making my money as a video editor. But I could just see that there were not a lot of jobs on the horizon. So I just went around like I was asking around. A friend of a friend's parents did taxes out of his house in Brooklyn. You know, so I went there and just started as an admin person. And within like three or four weeks, I realized I was doing my taxes badly as a freelancer. I had been living in New York at the time on like 20-ish thousand dollars a year. So this is like 2008 and I'm living on 20-ish thousand dollars a year. And like anybody who lives in a metropolitan area knows that, that like that's an act of will. You're making choices to make your life be able to continue to exist. You're not living like a dream life. You're not living the like TV vision of like a New York lifestyle. It, it was not friends. I didn't live in the friend's apartment. I didn't... You didn't have a massive apartment. Right. Yeah, I didn't yourself. have roommates I chose. I didn't like go out and have an appetizer at dinner. I was eating before I went <laughs> out of the house. And the most like gut-wrenching comment was, should we all just split it? And I was like, Whoa. I was like, I strategically ate 
the whole night and didn't touch any of the, oh God, you make four times as much as I do. This is what that whole Friends episode is about. That one episode where they all oh, like, talk about splitting. There's one where they talk about splitting uh, meals and how Joey and Phoebe are like, we can't afford this. <laughs> they don't yeah, have jobs. I, I, it's weird that a lot of social circles, you're not in groups where someone makes 5x what someone else at the table does. It's like generally our lifestyles move linearly and our social circles move in fairly similar trajectories. I started working for Harvey in Brooklyn. And within a month, I just realized like I was doing my taxes badly. And I realized like I, I've been losing money or not saving money actually by doing my taxes incorrectly. And I was just, I was like mad and kind of fascinated simultaneously. And my reaction whenever something, whenever I struggle with something is just to tell everyone. And I guess that's why maybe I'm in, it was into comedy, but it was like, it allows me to make value out of my struggle other than just, oh, I had a problem. Now I fixed it. It's over. So I just started telling my friends, I'm like, hey, we like, at the time I was dealing with my video editing on my taxes, which was predominantly 1099 work. I didn't even think about my writing and performing because I wasn't making a profit. I was just mostly spending money. I was like going to UCB classes, the magnet, headshots, submitting spec scripts, taking classes, you know, just doing all those things. And like, occasionally I would get paid for like a gig or we'd have a show and we'd make, you know, but it was like not even close. So I just didn't think of those as tax things. And that in the end was incorrect for that period, for the way I was living my life. I should have, those were tax things according to the IRS. They just weren't tax things it wasn't what I would say I did if someone asked me at a party. They're like, what do you do for a living? I wasn't going to be like, I'm a comedian. Because then I was afraid of the like, what have I seen you in? Where might I find you? What have you wor been working on? And I'm like, right now, I'm just sending a lot of things out. Right now, I'm like paying to do shows. And so I would have said I was a video editor. And my understanding of taxes at that, at that time was like, if you make money, the government gets a cut just not a terribly off definition. Mm -hmm. But as a creative person, I just didn't consider myself in the business of writing and performing comedy. But the way I was conducting myself, according to the IRS, they did consider me a business. I just was a business that wasn't making money at the time. So I had a business that was making money as a video editor, and I had a business that wasn't making a profit yet as a writer and performer. And those both could have been on my taxes, and they would have lowered my taxable income. And that's what I just didn't know. And so what fascinated me was, why didn't I know this? Why didn't anybody ever tell me? Why didn't I know that if I paid someone to help me with my taxes, they would save me far more money than they cost, given my circumstances? And would I have believed them if they told me? Because right. I would just be like, you know, I'd just be like, sure, I see your ankle in, in you doing my taxes instead of me doing my taxes. I felt like people who got their taxes done for them were either lazy, rich, or scared of numbers. And I was like, I'm none of those. Like, I taught myself to use video editing software, and now I'm making a living doing it so I can teach myself TurboTax. There's an allure of, like, software where it's like, oh, there, you can learn anything on the internet. And I think it's a much healthier way to think about it, to think of it as like, no, it's more like getting your car fixed. It's like, I might change my oil but I'm, I'm not going to mess with like my axle or my brakes because it just doesn't make sense for me to buy the tools, learn the stuff, spend the time because I'm, I'm also worried I won't 
I won't know that I do it well until I'm inside the car going 80 miles an hour. And so it's like, we just delegate things all the time. And somehow taxes became this thing where it's like, oh, it's no big deal. Only idiots have to pay people to get it done. And the reality of it is like, once you're reporting business expenses, once you're dealing with like, you know, what you're allowed to expense is quote unquote, ordinary, necessary and ordinary business expenses, which is, is so vague that it's like, you're now in a gray area. So you're like, what's legit? Where's the line between business and personal? I just realized like, oh, it makes sense to delegate things out. We do it all the time in our lives. It's only like we get ashamed about money or that like I should be doing this myself. But I think it totally makes sense if you're in that gray area that like I think will save you more than we cost or will stop you from doing something that you potentially future you might not want to deal with. And we can help you evaluate that tax position and make sure you're comfortable with it because we don't have money on the line. And so the way people make decisions on their taxes is, is very personality based and just based on like, what do they see the choices as? And often like we don't know the choices yet because we don't know how to play this video game because we play it once a year. Of course, you're terrible. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. And there's like, so we're also not taught it, right? We're not taught anything about taxes. I never had a tax class offered to me. I went to school for art and graduated with a BFA. And even in college, even though I had to take like philosophy and, you know, all of these gen ed classes, I never had to take a tax class. And I think that is just woefully undereducated for a society in which everyone pays taxes. And we're not taught, you know, it's not that I need to be taught exactly how to expense everything and all this stuff, but to understand the basic mechanics. So like I told you earlier, when we were chatting before we hit record is that like, money's scary. And when this like esoteric idea of at the end of the year, you owe money, but it's unclear, like how much and it's unclear, like, when you need to pay it and how much you need to pay or what it, that like vagueness, but also you get in trouble if you don't do it enough. Like that is so scary to so many creatives who never know when the next dollar is going to come in. Yeah. I, I think it's what we don't pay attention to. And what I realized kind of when I first started working for that tax advisor and thinking about it was this stuff stresses me out all year. It just comes to a head at tax time yeah. because we're never taught this stuff it's extra stressful. Like there's no other situation in our lives where we're like, am I going to go into this situation and get $2,000 or pay $8,000? Let's find out. (laughs) And then because there's a year in between last time we did this, the time that's difficult to remember is the feeling when you get to the end of doing it yourself on software and it says, okay, you can submit this. And your brain says, is it right? And they say, you can submit it. And the, then you rise the enormity of the amount of money you're talking about. That you're like, I don't want to just submit it. I want to know, did I do this well? Did I do something illegal? Am I being overly conservative and costing myself money? I mean, even in 2008, Russ, I'm moving around money equaling $20,000. And so you get to the end and it's just like, oh, you're, you're allowed to hit submit. And I'm like, did I? Did I, is this good? Is this bad? Like, am I getting too much? Am I getting not enough? Yeah. Like you get no feedback and then you realize like, oh, that's when you want someone who doesn't have skin in the game because we're just watching our money go up and down and you're like, oh, I can't pay that much. And so you're like, what if I didn't make 
$20,000? What if I made $15,000? That's a little better. And like, but we don't understand the choices we're making. We're just thinking, I don't have that money right now in the bank. So something's got to change. Well, and I think too, something that we never discuss when it comes to tax returns is like that initial moment is so like, oh no, but then we're done and we're like, okay, that's done. Don't have to worry about that ever again. But your tax return is very important when you are going to get mortgages or loans or business loans or all these things. And when your business is evaluated for money and all of the stuff that we don't think about until like years later, when it comes back to bite us in the butt. And that is, I think, another responsibility of being an adult in the tax system that no one touches on. Yeah, even when you go to rent an apartment, and I describe it, I try and grab people because we started doing a lot of tax talks in, in colleges, like you said, a BFA program, MFA program, they don't, most of them still don't teach any of this stuff. And this is in reality going to have a very large impact on your creative freedom. And I try and approach it from that to be like, if you get this right, you can choose your projects. It takes a little bit of understanding and a good amount of planning. But if you get this wrong, you have to take whatever job pays the most. And that could be the end of your creative freedom. And suddenly you're like, you're in a job that is kind of like golden handcuffs where you're like, I can't make below $80,000. So I can act Saturday morning from eight to 11. And that's it. But I, I get that there's part of this because there's a lot of shame around it. Nobody talks about it. I think it's really the biggest taboo. If you ask anybody what if they'd rather tell you an awkward sexual story or their income, you'll hear a lot of awkward sex stories. Guaranteed. I've never heard that before. <laughs> I did it at a dinner table with 12 people. Everybody, awkward sex story, except the Born Again Christian, $68,000. We, we have a podcast and there's a, a great episode with Miles Kane, who's a video editor and a filmmaker. And he just talks about like the, the perfect storm is like right out of college, you make a bunch of untaxed money. You know, and he just talks about like making, I think he was working for the New Yorker as a video editor or something and just made like, you know, whatever, 80K or something he talks about on the podcast. I'm not just tossing out numbers. He just talks about like, and he just, he had no idea. Like the idea of a 23 year old having set aside $30,000 is insane. You're living in New York on $80,000. You're not like rolling in $100 bills on your bed. You just maybe don't have a roommate. So it's like, unless you know that you're going to owe X amount of dollars, you certainly don't have it. And that was a big wake up call for me working at that guy's apartment in uh, Harvey's place in Brooklyn was I saw somebody making who had $30,000 of profit on their untaxed money. And I was like, you know, making $20,000 thinking, man, $30,000 of profit after expenses, that would be great. And then I realized when I went to call him that he owed a over $7,000 in taxes. But that juxtaposition of $30,000 is not, you know, living it up in New York City, but being able to write a check for $7,000 and not get nauseous, or even if you do get nauseous, just the fact that you have $7,000 to write a check and not mess up your life, that's a very baller move to be able to have that set aside. And like the only way that will ever happen is if you know what's coming and you've planned for it. There's no way that happens by accident. So let's talk about that. As people who have, you know, I'm still getting my tax returns in the mail and I'm my appointment with brass taxes is actually tomorrow. Oh, great. There's still a few coming <laughs> in. How do creatives who make money at random often or at random, but also with their day jobs, where do we start? And I know this is going to be a little bit overarching and a little bit big picture, but where do we start thinking about preparing for taxes 
a year in advance. And I know people who are listening yeah. are going to be like, this no. is our tomorrow. And I get it. So we're starting yeah, no. now. I, I think this is a great place to start. And this, I know I, I, I gave you a, a little PDF that we put together of like just important tax things yes. to know that you'll have around. Go to the email and list. We do yeah. hour long tax talks, but I always, I tell them in it, I'm like, a lot of this is background info. The two things you need to remember are keep track of your expenses during the year and know roughly how much money you're going to owe at the end of the year and have that amount of money. Everything else is like totally makes sense to delegate it out. But those are the things we're like, cool, this is just part of being an adult. This is part of being, not even just being an adult. This is part of being a, we're essentially a business and these are the things we have to be in charge of. Getting these right will make the whole process less stressful and more expected and you'll know what's coming. And as long as you prepare for it, it's like nobody wants to write a check for $7,000, but if you know it's coming, then it's like, ugh, all right. But it's the biggest effect on your life is do you have that money or do you not have that money? And a separate question is, did you pay estimated taxes or do you just have it sitting in a separate bank account? I think that is a personal or personality choice, but a much bigger deal is just, do you have that money? If it's sitting in a bank account, regardless of if you owe the IRS a little bit of interest because you didn't send it to them throughout the year, not a big deal. But just having that money set aside. And we can talk about simple ways of guesstimating what you'll owe at the end of the year. But the two big things are just keep track of your expenses during the year. And we can talk about some ways of doing that. And then just knowing roughly how much money you're going to owe and having that money. Perfect. Yeah, let's dive into that. I would love to know some solid ways that people can keep track of their expenses because a lot of actors who are listening to are in the same place you were in 2008 where they might not have made money from acting yet. Mm -hmm. So they might not be sure if they can include those expenses or how to track their life. So where do we start for this kind of actor in any city? Yeah, I, I think the first part is realizing that once you're trying to make a profit, you're most likely a business. So don't denigrate where you are on your path by determining whether you're legit or not based on the results you've gotten in the last, you know, five years or six months or three months. Everybody in a creative pursuit is going to have volatile incomes. Most businesses that start out don't make a profit in the beginning. You wouldn't say a pizzeria is not a pizzeria if they don't break even in the first year or the second year. Ooh, that's like really just good life advice for us. <laughs> yeah, just always switch it to a quote unquote normal business. What rules do they have? Like, are, are you an actor? It's like if you're pursuing it in an effort to make a profit, it's the way you're pursuing it, not the results that matter. If you want to just like film stuff on a camera and just like post it, to your Facebook friends or something, and you're just like, oh, I made a funny sketch. That's fine. Maybe it's a hobby. But most people, people listening to this kind of podcast, coming to, to a tax talk, there's a lot of tests to determine whether you're a hobby or a business. And I think a good delineator is if you do it when it's annoying, you're probably a business. The thing that people fixate on, sorry, this is all preamble to the like statement of like, you're a business is one of the challenges with all this stuff is the half-assed or inapplicable or semi-applicable information you get just from searching on Google. 
the rule that people tend to fixate on of like, am I a hobby or a business is one of the, I forget, 11 or 13 tests the IRS uses is, did you make a profit in three of the last five years? And that's one of, it's funny, I, I can never remember, 11 tests or 13 tests that they have. And I just tell for creative industries, just ignore that rule. I think we fixate on it because it's very black and white. I mean, I, I remember my, the first place I subletted in Bushwick in Brooklyn, I lived with an actor from the actor studio and she was like 10 years in and she was like, Russ, at 10 years, you're just starting to get your feet under you as an actor. And, you know, cut to three years later, I'm doing taxes and they're like, did you make a profit in three of the first five years? And I'm like, Helen said, you're just getting your feet under you in 10, you know, and it was like, <laughs> just ignore that rule. Like, it depends on how you're conducting your whole life, not just what the results are. That's just one of a bunch of tests. And that those tests are made for every business in the world. You know, so like there's different rules for horse racing because the first people to push back on that rule were wealthy people who owned horses, who wanted to have business expenses related to their horses. There's been a lot of cases that went to tax court of creative people saying, I didn't make a profit in the last 15 years, 20 years. I'm still an artist. And I can show the proof for me being an artist. I'm just not making a profit right now. And to a large degree, they've won. So I just tell people, don't use that to undercut your own legitimacy Fabulous. and your own process as a creative person. And I think the easiest creative analogy is if you took acting and switched it to writer, it's like you don't become a writer when you sell a book. You sell a book because of all the free hustling, working, articles, spec scripts, outreach, meetings, pushing, pulling to get there. That happened over all those years to, for you to get better at your craft and for you to get some traction in the industry. And you're going to pay taxes when you sell that book. So you might as well take the other parts of the path that led up to that, that got you there. Because you're going to pay taxes when you have a bunch of profit. You might as well also take the other side of like, if you have a loss, that could likely be a benefit to you on your taxes. You don't just become a writer once you sell a book or hit a big movie or whatever. So don't let that be the delineator. I wish that my husband was in the room right now because he's a writer and he hasn't sold a script yet. He was just, he was filing our taxes and he was like, well, I can't write off my writing stuff this year because I haven't made profit in three years. And I was like, I think we can talk to them about this. So this is thrilling on so many levels. Also, it just to me ingrains in my brain that we all have to treat this like a business from the beginning, even if it might not technically equal results yet. And are, are there ways or are there software or easy apps or things like that that you're like, this is a great way to track expenses? Or is there a free version? Oh, yeah. Let me, yeah, yeah. Let me get to tracking. I think with tracking your expenses and with all this stuff, to give up the idea that there's some perfect system. Like, find one that works for your personality and lifestyle. And if you're using it, and I'll define using it successfully, then just stick with it. If you'll save a $3 receipt, if you'll save it, you're probably using a good system. We have a couple Excel docs that we designed that there's only the brass taxes, tax categories to choose from. And some people like that. I found when I was a video editor, I, I tried to be an Excel. I'm going to put everything in an Excel doc. And I did it for like two weeks. And then I was like, I'm not that kind of person. Because I would buy like masking tape. And I'm like, my reaction would be like, I don't give a shit. It's $3. What is this going to save me 70 cents? 
So I'm going to, I have to remember this, save it, go home, turn on a computer, open Excel, write down masking tape, the date book. And I was like, I don't care. So what I found worked for me at the time was I just took a bunch of envelopes, just wrote the tax category on them and binder clipped them together and hung them in my living room. And so if I bought something that was acting related, writing related, performing related, I would either save the receipt or just scribble down on a piece of paper like spec script, you know, film festival, January 3rd, $50 entry. And then just stick it right into the, I would stick it in my wallet. Your wallet gets awkwardly full which prompts you to empty your wallet. And I would just empty it right into the envelope. The part of organizing our expenses that tires us out is the what is this, what is that? That wears on our willpower, but just adding up a bunch of numbers, we're fine with. Our brain is just like, cool, we're just coasting. I have a glass of wine. I'm watching Friends for the you know 16th time. And I'm just going to add up these numbers, stick them all back in the supplies envelope, write it on the envelope, and that part of my taxes is done. That worked for me for years. And we have hundreds of people just using that. And like, it's the ease of use that was important to me. And the reason you want to save a $3 receipt is because you spend that amount of money hundreds of times. Yeah. And you don't want to be at the end of the year trying to remember like, what did I spend money on this year? Like our brains don't work well thinking of years. We'll always ask questions of like, in an average week, in an average month, how often do you buy pens, pencils, notebooks? Like, what are we talking about? Five bucks, 20 bucks? If you think back a year, you're like, I, I bought a MacBook Pro in the summer. And it's like, that's great. But you probably spent more on like pens, pencils, and like Dropbox and Google Drive and whatever. But it's like, you know, they're not big purchases that like we remember. So we built an expense tracker that just drags your credit card or bank account. And we just ask that that account be just related to businessy mm -hmm. stuff, not your personal stuff. And it auto categorizes that stuff. And the goal is just like, how can we do a pretty good job of organizing with as little effort yeah. as possible? Because I think a big goal for all of us is like, how can I not think about this? How little time can I have this interrupting my life and still not be screwed at the end of the year? So we kind of shoot for for that goal. Yeah, th this is the first. Well, this is the second year in a row that I, I personally use QuickBooks just because of the businesses that I'm in. I have several bank accounts for different reasons. And QuickBooks, there's like, I think Mint has a similar thing like that's free, but I paid an actor actually, who's also a bookkeeper, create all my categories for each business. And on Saturdays, I just sit on the couch on my phone and QuickBooks and I just categorize all of my expenses. But then my brain is like, did I need to keep my receipts? Because half of my receipts are in my email. And then every once in a while, I get a paper one. So is that something that we need to be keeping too? No, I, I think of like, as the actual receipts is more a question of if you're audited, and let's, let's redefine audit, because it's like a, a trigger word for like bad Scary. choices. Audit just means <laughs> yeah. the government comes and says, show me how you got those numbers. That's all it means. Audit means show me how you got those numbers. There's an implicit agreement that okay, I do have to show you the numbers. I can't be like, I'm busy. But what they're doing essentially is assigning you a research paper that you have to do or you have to pay them. Now, how good your records are and how accessible those receipts are will determine how annoying that research paper is. It's going to be annoying because we're adults and someone just assigned us a research paper we're not interested in. But if you don't have any access to any of those receipts, 
it's more of a pain in the ass. A lot of that stuff is digital at this point. There's some nuance in that it can't just say like, oh, I bought this microphone at B&H Photo. So if I get an audit saying, show me how you got those numbers for your equipment expenses. And I'm like, look, here it is, B&H Photo, $179. They're like, that just says where you bought something. We need to know what you bought to determine if it's a business expense. I would actually have to go get and be like, look, it's a microphone. I do podcasts for my business, for my whatever. Like, this is a legitimate business expense. But that I think of as a separate challenge and conversation than did you buy the microphone? Like, we want your tax return to accurately reflect reality and be a tax position that we'd be comfortable explaining to someone why we chose it. It's a separate question of, could you prove all this easily right now? That's an audit. So don't pre-audit yourself. Sometimes people come in and they're like, I bought this microphone, but I don't have a receipt. So it's not on there. And I'm like, well, clearly you bought it. We're looking at it. The tax return is supposed to reflect reality, not like what you can prove in an audit right now. I think that's something we can work on in getting better at. So you're like, in the off chance that you ever actually show where these numbers came from, it doesn't have to be perfect or ready to go at any minute because the odds of getting having to show your how you got your numbers in any given year is not very high. But it does happen. Just they select people to just at random or you just, you know, you have a big loss for a year and you're just but as the tax advisor, we can also help give feedback on how aggressive or conservative a tax position we want to take. And some of the things we look at are, hey, you know what, like meals or mileage can be like difficult to prove things. So why don't we play it a little more conservative there? We can be like, you know, you took this acting class, it was $5,000. Cool. That's easy to prove. That's one check. Mm -hmm. We can show them that. Mm -hmm. And that's just the kind of thing of like, we can help people arrive at a more attractive result than them just coming up with, what can I do? I don't have that amount of money. Or you know, we don't, we don't know the pros and cons of different positions because again, it's a, it's a video game you play once a year. It's not that any of it's very difficult. It's just, you know, the rules are changing as tax laws change. Your life is changing. It's just, a, you know, it's a year later. I always think about like childbirth. I'm like, obviously after nine months, we have a big reset. Like at least after nine months, we can reset our whole brain and get past everything. And that's how we're all here. But it, it's not rocket science. And I, but I do think people should understand and want to understand or would feel better if they understood what was happening on their taxes. Right now, it's often being delegated to an expert as though like, you know, they're just not in, most tax places are not incentivized to explain to you what's going on. They're incentivized to finish your tax return so they could do somebody else's tax return. As creative people, like we're the clients that gum up the works. Like we're the, our oddball situations and the fact that we have to have a conversation is like it messes up, you know, the machinery of like, give us your stuff, come back later. Here it is next. I know. I'm always so jealous of my friends who are like teachers and they have like one W2 and then they just like get money back. And I'm like, what is this magic? And they do it either on TurboTax or they go to like H&R Block. And I'm like, I, it would cost me a thousand dollars to get my taxes done at H&R Block because I have so many tax returns. Yeah, that, that would actually, I, I would be down to do that with you. I'd, yeah, I had a friend when I first, maybe in like, I knew him from improv and he came to me and he was like, it's like H&R Block charged me like $475. 
And it was just like, because every piece of paper you hand them is just like, oh, you got student loan interest? Okay, you got one W-2? Okay, you got two W-2s? Okay, you got... I mean, we have clients with 28 W-2s. Oh, you worked in seven states? You know, it's like you have... It's easy to have a tax return that looks like an NFL player's, but, you know, you made $12,000 touring with a show. We'll do uh-huh. people's tax returns. It was like, you have a W-2 with 27 states on it. Like, you made $300 in every state. There can be a high complexity without a high income level because it's one of those things where like, obviously, if you have a ton of money, someone will do it for you and handle everything and treat you kindly and respectfully. And, you know, they'll have a marble office and lobby and it'll feel great. But it's like, but yeah, it's thousands of dollars. I I basically tried to create the business I needed, but never found me when I was writing and performing and being a video editor. And I try to talk in a way that I think I would have listened to and explain why, when it makes sense to get help with your taxes and when it doesn't. Because for that teacher who just has a mortgage and student loan interest, I can do it faster than them. And I can tell them why what's happening is happening, but we're going to get the same result. So unless they want to change what's happening or they want to understand what's happening, you know, it's not going to change the result. But whereas like everybody who's, if you're having to, if you're in the gray area of claiming ordinary and necessary business expenses, then it's like you're just in this gray area where you're making a ton of choices. Yes. And I think for me, the deeper I get into businesses and the deeper I get into working, I'm like, how streamlined can I get this process? And so I think that's, that goes to, that is speaking in terms of like tracking your expenses. So figuring out whatever that is for you, whether that is the Excel document, whether that is like, I, like I said, I love my QuickBooks, whether that is like, you know, a mentor, there's so many free options now, but also in terms of like having someone do my taxes, which like when I got on your guys's website, cause I posted to my Instagram and I said, send me your favorite tax people for creatives. And at least six people tagged you guys. And I was like, well, I'm going to look at them. And then I was like, well, let me see how it looks to file your taxes. And I started putting in my numbers and I was like, oh, this is like my kind of website. It's like, here's the numbers. Here's a little joke. Here's the numbers. Here's the number. Like it was so streamlined. And I was like, this is what I need. But also I'm still a little nervous because what you said before, we don't know really what to expect sometimes. So can you talk about how people, because we touched on this earlier, since obviously tracking expenses, great, huge plus. Secondly, kind of knowing what to expect and or how much to save. I I try and say that succinctly so it doesn't feel too sprawling of those two things. But those are two big things. That first one is like, start a new habit that you'll stick with. And that's the easier of the two. The having any idea of what you're going to owe, if you're going to owe at the end of the year and having that money is very challenging. Just finding out that information and understanding enough to get that information is challenging. Honestly, that's the kind of thing that we can give a lot better advice once we work with someone. Because just from what you've told me, the nuance that I would need to help you answer that question is how much did you make in untaxed income? How much did you make as an employee? You know, what's all the info? Like, what's the one broke actress results? What does your husband do for a living? Does he have a W-2 job that he also works at? What about his writing? And it's like, you're really trying to get these things to play in concert well together. Did it all happen in California? Or are you working, you know, did you have a three-month stint where you were in a play in New York? What we're trying to figure out is, on the business side, 
how much came in, what did you spend, what's left over. You only pay tax on the profit. So it doesn't matter if you made $100,000. If you spent $90,000 during the year, you're only paying taxes on $10,000. And that's why a big part of this game is if that $90,000 is not tracked well and you end up with $80,000 in expenses that you can find, now you're paying taxes on $20,000. The main part of the game that we're playing is let's keep track of those expenses and have them accessible when we need them. The other part is what are all the moving parts? And there's like just the amount of complexity that I just mentioned just in Sam and her life is you're trying to get all those things to work in concert together. And just to add on to the top of it, that equation is changing year to year. Sam could do a non-union movie that's, you know, 90 days long and she makes $50,000. And then the next year she could get on a a series and now she's getting a W-2 that paid her $50,000. And her her life is, the money coming in is going to be pretty equivalent. She has more responsibility on the non-union 1099 side because she needs to save money for that. Whereas on the W-2, they're taking taxes out and she will have paid in more for her taxes at the end of the year. But to an actor, it's like, well, I made 50,000 bucks for this. I made 50,000 bucks for this. And that's another reason it's difficult to get advice from friends and from people who seemingly have a similar life to yours. You know, you can have friends where it was just like, I love tax time. I get money back every time. And you're like, what is happening? And it could just be that you're making similar amounts of money, but they're making it on the W-2 and you're making it on a 1099. So you're like, how are you getting a refund? And I'm owing $9,000. You know, and it's like, am I doing something wrong? Is there a safety net number that you're like, if you could save 20% of your 1099s, like total income, that would be great. Or is there like a general, once again, we're getting in really general, but I would love to know just for those listening. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think there are good, you know, before we started recording, I was joking that the there's a stupid tax joke that the answer is always, it depends. But there are decent general rules. So with your 1099 money, there's two ways to guesstimate your taxes owed. One is how much were you paid? And the other is how much do you think will be left over after expenses? So you can take a percentage out of what you're paid or a percentage out of your profit. Both of those scenarios assume that there is a profit. So this, there's a whole different scenario if you're like, well, I work as a barista, I made $30,000. As an actor, I made $200, but I spent $3,000. As long as your withholding is right at your barista job, you shouldn't owe taxes. Let's say you made your $30,000 as a barista, but you also made $20,000 as an actor and spent $10,000 making it whether on travel, meals, headshots, shooting your own stuff, production. So you have a $10,000 profit on your acting side. So there's two ways to treat that. You could just take a portion of every check you're paid. So let's say you got paid $20,000. That percentage is going to go up and down based on your overall income. So there's not a perfect answer for all cases. But I would say if you take 25% of what you're paid, So of that $20,000, or if you take 30%, 35% of your profit, then that also will keep you in the ballpark. That's the goal in this case, is not to be accurate, it's to be in the ballpark. A lot of people 
get overly fixated on is this right or wrong? And you have to reframe it as like, am I in the the zone of reasonableness? Those percentages I just told you are guesstimates based on what percentage of expenses you'll have versus the income coming in and where you'll be in the tax brackets and a bunch of other things. So after working with someone, we can give a lot more highly detailed estimates of like, hey, since your husband is working a W-2 and right now is working as a writer but hasn't sold a book now, but if he does sell a book, we need to talk and because we're going to have a different answer. And given your acting, based on this amount of profit, you're going to owe, you know, and we can say like roughly 22% to the IRS and 7% to California. So you need to set aside 29% of your profit okay. or you need to set aside, you know, 22% of everything that comes in. And whichever works well for you to kind of work with your life and not mm-hmm. stress about is fine. But that's the kind of thing like as we work with someone, money and stress about taxes just kind of tends to like go to like a low level hum. Yeah. And that's kind of the goal. It's never going to go away. But we don't want it to be like these spikes and and troughs of like freaking out trying to be perfect, being an Excel person, and I'm going to save everything and be perfect. And then I would do that for two weeks, and then I would not think about it for three months. Yeah. And then I would freak out because I haven't thought about it in three months. And we just want to stop the like freaking out and burying our head in the sand yeah. because it's it's just stressful and time consuming. Well, I think the thing too that I never thought about is that working with a tax person, and by the way, this podcast is not sponsored, you guys. I'm paying full price for my taxes. Like I'm really selling it. But the thing about working with a tax person that I never considered is that not only are we going to get information about this particular tax season, you're also, what you just said, going to tell us, hey, for next year, here's how you could best prepare yourself. Because that, to me, is a game changer. I have not worked with someone like that before. Because every year, I'm just like, it's like, let's see how much money I'm going to write a check for. And I'm super, super privileged. And I have not yet had to pay the IRS in increments. I'm always just like, get it out of that account, put it away. Because I put it in a separate savings account because I don't want to, I mm-hmm. pretend like it's not there. <laughs> that, which is great. Yeah, it helps a, a great deal. But that is not something I realized that you could utilize because in my brain, you have to be rich and have like a personal accountant to get that kind of help. Yeah, I think a big problem that I saw and that space we try and exist in is it feels like the money and finance industry only gives good advice to people that have enough money to have a full team. So I'm sure you know, a lot of people, they get on their first show in LA and a lawyer tells them to set up an S corporation. And so they have their lawyer getting 5%, manager getting 10%, agent getting 10%. And included in that 5% is they'll take care of all your finance stuff. Mm -hmm. They're like, I don't have to renew my license. My taxes are taken care of. But if you drop out of the whatever zone of like $500,000 plus per year, they're like, "Mm, it's not really worth our time anymore to do all this stuff for you. I was like offended that I was a person making $20,000 a year who needed good solid tax advice, but like I wasn't worth talking to. And so the challenge is that like, given that we're in this gray area of business expenses, and that our incomes are volatile, 
we do need curated specific advice, but it, it can't be this classic white glove like, oh, we'll treat you like a, a king and queen. Welcome to our lovely location that you're all paying for. And then you forget about that. So what we've done was we were able to create a website and work with certain industries that we understand what's normal in those industries. Like if you tell me you're an actor, we're going to ask like, what kind of stuff? Is it theater? Is it film? Is it TV? Is it web? Is it all? Is it LA? Is it New York? Is it, is it Seattle? Like those are different lifestyles. And we're going to know a lot of the, the things that are necessary and ordinary. And our website, like you said, it's like literally tailored with like, these are normal acting expenses. Mm -hmm. These are normal production expenses. These are normal like expenses for people running a Kickstarter or a graphic novel or whatever. Like we need to gather information in a way that Sam filling it out has a good idea of what we want. So we purposely are not using any jargon or tax words that are like not clear. But all that stuff is just a starting point for us to have a conversation. And that's the shortcoming of a lot of these online only things where it's like creative people can't give perfect tax information because they're just self-selecting where on that gray area they're landing. And it just becomes personality-based. Yeah. Like you have friends who are like, everything I do is business. Every conversation I have is a work conversation. Everything, and they're just like, everything's on there. And you're like, I get how that feels. But like from a, the reality of the tax definitions is like, we might want to like use this as a filter rather than that feeling. And other people are so afraid of getting audited that they put nothing down. And I'm like, there's no way you made 20 grand and spent $200. Yes. Well, Which and that's my thing about it is that like it was you, you sign up and you upload your documents and you put in all your information and then you make an appointment to speak with a tax person while they're doing your taxes. And so that I think is the difference too of just uploading and being like, Hey, here's what I think this is. And then just going like, it's very, I'm really excited to have our tax meeting. Cause I'm like, I'm going to get information back and it's going to be a back and forth, not just like, I hope these numbers are correct. And like, I think it's, it's empowering. And it is a very, very fair price service. Like I'm going to be honest with you guys, I've looked at a lot of these places and some places charge like so much money. And I think you guys really nailed it with like the amount it costs to file taxes and to get someone to have a conversation with you about your money. We've really tried like, I don't, actually, I don't think they're externally facing at all. But like the price is important because I wouldn't have paid someone, you have to sign up for the process before you know what you're going to save. So the price going in, one, it's hard to even find yes. prices. We have a price estimator on our homepage. Go anywhere else and try and try and find out what it's going to cost. And I'm like, I would never have done that. I would never do that. Like you can't make 20 grand a year and live in New York and just be like, sure, just tell me how much it costs yes. after. It would be like going out and ordering off a menu with no prices. Yeah. I'm like, absolutely yeah. not. The idea that like you can only get good advice if you have a, a good amount of money is like offensive to me. I was like, I needed good advice. It would have saved me a thousand bucks. And to me, that was huge at the time. And so what I tried to keep in mind was the cost of TurboTax, not the cost of other tax places. Like there, there's other tax places that are like more than double what we're charging. And 
I'm not even saying that what we're charging is not a, a decent amount of money. What we're charging is I think we're giving a great value and we can easily save you multiples of that by helping you with the gray area. Or if you were being extremely aggressive, we may not save you more than you were going to get on TurboTax, but we think we can give you a better long-term tax position that future you might have to deal with. And like, we really want, we consider relationships with clients, like we want to be, we want to be working with you for 20 years. So we're like, we're not trying to like get your thousand bucks and then be like, whatever, if you want to talk to us next year, it's 1200 bucks. Like we're not testing our clients to see what we can get from them. We're just like, cool, our business can exist with it being like, cool, it's $300. We recognize that's a reasonable amount of money. We're confident like we can give you a great product and a great conversation with that amount of money. And like part of it is just like our tax advisors are paid a lot more than H&R Block and the people at TurboTax who you talk to because I want to keep them because they're going to, that's who you form a relationship with. And the fact that you can come back and be like, oh, it's Elizabeth. Oh, here's Lee. Like there are people, like everybody who works here has freelance creative backgrounds. And so the empathy is built in. Like we hire for communication skills and empathy and then teach taxes because I think the other two are harder. I, I I don't know of other places that are offering what we're offering at the price point we are. I think you're accurate. I think you're you're right on point with that. And if anybody's like, what the fuck is this? It's brass taxes and it is linked in the show notes and it's you should make sure you're on the email list because we're going to send out the very nifty creatives taxes form that Russ gave me. Just it's extra information that you guys are going to really like. And I think this is it's really valuable to have this kind of conversation with someone who comes from a creative background who is just supportive of artists figuring out their money. So thank you so much for taking the time to to sit down and have this conversation. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I, I really love talking about this stuff. I think it's really stressful. It's really like hidden in the shadows. And like, it doesn't need to be. I think in general, we just need to expect more from like our doing taxes experience and just like talking about money in general. I think there's almost a preconception that you can't get treated well unless you have a lot of money. And I think just as an industry, we need to like have higher standards of the way we're treated and that you should have a conversation with your tax person and you should understand what's going on and they should be, they should be able to explain it. Like it's not rocket science. And like, cause ultimately you're signing your tax return and saying this is true. So it's important that you understand what's going on and, and you should, as long as you're working with somebody, regardless of if it's us or not, like they should understand your industry and you should feel comfortable talking to them. I think there's so much good takeaway advice and also that, to be honest, to end things with. And other than the website, is there anywhere else you want to send people to? Yeah, I think you can find our podcast on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. I think it's just I started it just because I have, I love the conversations I have with people and they're so open and honest because it's so intimate, more intimate than your awkward sex stories. And I think we just need to hear people talk more openly about this stuff to recognize that not understanding it or the way we feel about it is not a personal fault. It's a societal lacking of education. Yeah. And if anybody wants, you can use a promo code one broke actress 50. And if you're a new client, we can do $50 off the cost of your tax return. So we'll share that as well in that email. 
Hell yeah. One broke actress. I didn't even know. I'm going to use my own code. You got your own code. That's, <laughs> that's a baller move. <laughs> I have I have zero shame. Thank you so much for this, Russ. I really appreciate it. Yeah, happy to do it. Thanks for having me.